Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome back. Maybe it's morning, maybe it's not, but I'm happy to be with y'all today. Um, when you see this, it will be Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. Um, and I don't know what time you'll watch it, but it should be posted at 6 a.m. for those early, early birds. Um, and then will be available thereafter. I'm also trying to do the same thing for sermon audio as well. Thank you again for your patience in uh, rolling with me with all of these things, but I'm happy we have the technology. It's not live. I do still see your comments and I appreciate them very much. And I'm happy to be with you uh, for this time. Now, let me also say thank you for everybody who reached out to Amanda for her birthday yesterday. It really was a, uh, well, I guess by the time you see this, it'll be two days ago. But um, really, it was a great day, and um, she is such a blessing. So thank you for your kind words and comments. Now, let's get to the business at hand. Yesterday, we really cracked something open, didn't we? we started Acts chapter 2, and we talked about what Pentecost is. We talked about what happened with the apostles. Again, this amazing set of circumstances where it's described in an interesting way. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on all of them. We talked about why they were there for Pentecost, right? Namely, because the Lord told them to go to Jerusalem, so that's why they're there. Also, we talked about the significance of Pentecost, and today, when we see who's actually there, it'll make more sense what I was talking about yesterday with the Feast of Weeks, right? Pentecost. Pentecost is actually a Greek term, but the Feast of Weeks, we will see um, its importance uh, indicated by all the different people that were there from different parts of the world. But also, we're going to see their reaction to the Holy Spirit working, so or at least their initial reaction. But I'm excited again about this time, and, and uh, I can't wait to dig into this stuff. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us. What a blessing it is to be together in this format, and maybe it will be uh, February 23rd, 2023, when folks see this. Maybe it'll be, who, who knows when? I'm just glad that we can have this time. And I pray, Father, that you would bless us in it, that we would understand that as we examine a group of people and their reaction to your Holy Spirit working, Father, let us be found among the faithful ones, those who are willing, those who are ready to listen, to go forward with you. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So, Yesterday, where we left off was in verse 4 of Acts chapter 2, and that's where we'll pick up again today. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, who's the them? The them is the apostles, okay? Now, what are the tongues? If you want to get something more in depth, go back and watch yesterday. But y'all, the, the language that was used here is actually in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. The tongues that they were speaking in were known languages, okay? That's important, and that is borne out in what we see next. Now, before we even read verse 5, Remember yesterday how I told you that in terms of the Jewish calendar, outside of the Passover, one of the most important times was the Feast of Weeks because it signified one of the most important things in all of Judaism. 
and that is the giving of the law. I didn't talk about this yesterday, but I think it's just wonderful. It's not ironic even because irony would be something that you say, aha, but y'all, God is intentional. And it's by no mistake, right, um, that the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, celebrated so long ago when God's word was given. And yet it will be at Pentecost here in Acts chapter 2 that God will give his word again. And oh, how fabulous it is. But before we even get there, we got to see the reaction to this. Because this sound, right, uh, Acts 2, 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Um, if you're wondering about volume, it was loud. All right, it was really loud. And the way we know that is because of what we read next. Now, verse 5, where we're picking up today, it says, Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Now, that ought to tell us something, right? People from all over the place. And there's a term used there, God-fearing. We're going to talk about this in a, in a moment or two more. But realize these are ethnic Jews, and these are people that feared God and converted to Judaism. This is nothing new. Remember, David's got Uriah the Hittite, okay? Uriah was a, was a Hittite, and he became part of, uh, of the Jewish nation under David. So nothing new going on here. But verse 5 ought to tell us something. Number one, Pentecost is an extremely important time for people being there from every nation under heaven. But also, it ought to tell us that there's a lot of people there, y'all. Best estimates is that Jerusalem would have swelled to the breaking point during Passover, during the Feast of Weeks. Okay, And again, it's called the Feast of Weeks because of the number of weeks it was. It was exactly 50 days, right? Um, eight weeks after Jesus, or excuse me, after Jesus, after Moses was given the law at Sinai, right? Now, um, continuing on. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Verse 6, when they heard this sound, the, 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 again, verse 2, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. So, verse 6, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one of them heard speaking in his own language. So you got a double dynamic going on here. Number one, you have this sound, right? Now, the question is, which sound did they hear? Is this talking about the sound of them speaking in, in different languages, but their own languages? Yes, most clearly it's that. But did they also hear the sound that came out of heaven? Oh, I think so, too. I think they must have heard that as well. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. It's not terribly important. But y'all, they heard their own language. This is something that we should not overlook, right? In America in particular, most of the time, we only hear our own language. It wasn't until several years ago that I was, where was I? I remember. I was in the port of Miami, down in Miami, Florida, and I was trying to get a cab, and I realized that nobody around me spoke English. That was a weird sensation. That was the first time that had ever happened to me. I've been to lots of, of foreign nations since then, and um, in fact, next week, Lord willing, we will be in Portugal. I don't know a lick of Portuguese, all right? Not one little bit. I got to at least figure out, you know, 
where's the train station and where's the bathroom and then I'll be good to go. But after, outside of that, I'm used to being in places where um, people are speaking different languages than I'm speaking. But nevertheless, here, you've got all these people from all over the world. Their ears would have been pricked, right? There. Their ears would have heard immediately when somebody else was talking in their language. And then from a small area, you've got this whole group of men that are talking in different languages and all at the same time. So when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And the effect is verse seven, utterly amazed, they ask, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Now, there's a question here. How did they know they were from Galilee? Was it how they were dressed? Was it reputation? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But they're, they're, they're utterly amazed. And they're like, wait a second. How, how is he speaking my language? This is a guy from Galilee, right? Galilee had a reputation of its own that we're not even going to get to at this point. But they're utterly amazed. Again, verse 8. Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own language? And then we get the list. Parthians. Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Now, this is really the double aspect. Not only do they hear their own language, they hear the wonders of God. No, my friends, people ask me sometimes, what's the best part about being a pastor? It's rare, but sometimes people ask me. Um, but I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, the best part of being a pastor is being a preacher. For I get to be a herald of the glories of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing, you get to do that too. It, it's different, I, I understand that. And, and there are some pastors that watch this and brothers, keep on going. Um, but if you say, well, I'm not a pastor, I can't do this. Yes, you can. Yes, you can, not in the same context, not in the same preaching, I'm, I'm not talking about that. But they're amazed because they hear their own languages and they're amazed at quote, the wonders of God. There in verse 11. Y'all, it's not only the language. It's not only the sound. In fact, I would contend that what's going on here with this crowd that is gathered, and again, y'all, the, the list of the nations, these are people that are scattered all over the Roman Empire. And again, these are people from both Jewish background, ethnically speaking, but verse 11 Paul, uh, Luke tells us both Jews and converts to Judaism were there. Those people were referred to as God-fearers, okay? They weren't born Jewish, but they converted to Judaism. What's most amazing to them is the wonders of God. Y'all, it is the wonders of God that breaks through. I've said this before when I preach. The best part of any sermon that I ever preach is not anything that I say. It's just the word of God being read because the power is always the word of God. Always. Um, that's why the author of Hebrews compares the gospel of Jesus Christ 
to the message, right? He compares the act of being saved to the message contained in the gospel. And he says, if you ignore the message of the gospel, you ignore salvation itself, because he draws no line of distinction between God's word and the salvation that we have as a result of Jesus Christ. And that only makes sense, right? Because who is Jesus? In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. We saw that in the prologue in John chapter 1. And so you see they're gathered here, people from all over the place. Israel, excuse me, Jerusalem would have been bursting at the seams with the amount of people that were there for this festival. And they hear their own languages. And they hear the wonders of God. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And y'all, it's those two words that are in there, those two key words that sum up so much of what happens when the Holy Spirit works. There are those that are amazed, and there are those that are perplexed. And then in verse 13, we see yet another category. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Now, Peter's going to address that, that, that fallacy. In fact, um, that's going to be one of the first things he says, and we're, gonna, we're not going to go on today, but just as a preview of coming attractions, verse 14, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. So Peter does away with that, that, that business from the scoffers there. But scoffers is a good word for it. For you see, when the Holy Spirit works, you have people that are amazed. For they hear, they recognize the work of God. And they sit back in amazement at what God does and how God does what he does. And there are those that are perplexed. There are those that may be reserved, that may tentatively say, I, I, I don't know. I don't know about this. And then there are those who are scoffers. Those who flat out say, no, 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 no. Let me tell you what's really going on here. You ever know somebody that's always got the inside scoop? Isn't that annoying? I hope that I'm not that guy. Um, my wife has said, you know, you act like you never, nothing ever perplexes you. And I said, darling, <laughs> we ought to be married long enough to know that there's plenty of things that perplex me. But, but nevertheless, y'all, scoffing can take many different forms, right? It really can. Uh, it can be this, where... Flat out insults are thrown out. Ah, they're just drunk. You know, don't listen to them. They're just drunk. Scoffing can also take the form of skepticism, where it's not necessarily insulting, but it's this business of, oh, no, absolutely not, can't be, that sort of thing. Um, but again, there are other categories. Certainly, this is more nuanced when it comes to the Holy Spirit working. But my point in bringing this up is really this. And this is our devotional thought for today, in case you're wondering. Y'all, the Holy Spirit is at work. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is at work in extremely evident ways. Ways that you can see and you say, aha, ah, very clearly I can see. 
Sometimes the Holy Spirit is at work in nuanced ways, in small ways. God's Word tells us to not despise the day of small things. You know, people are changed in small increments, and people are changed all at once. It's the Lord's business which it will be. But my point is this. Make sure, as you evaluate what the Holy Spirit is doing, that you don't fall into the category of the scoffer. You know, we've got this thing that's going on in Asbury. People have asked me, what do you think about Asbury? What do you think? And, and my response is, I don't know. You know, there's history there. I, I will say this about revival um, and about the work of the Holy Spirit in general. We should never put our place or put ourselves in the place of scoffers. You know, the psalmist says something about that too, right? We should never put our place in, uh, our, ourselves in the place of scoffers. We should never be pessimistic about the work of the Holy Spirit. We of all people, because if you know Jesus, then you're an example of the fact that the Holy Spirit can change anybody. I know I am, right? And he's still working on me. But nevertheless, um, people ask me about this. Number one, when things like this happen, don't be the scoffer. Don't, don't be the cynic about these things. Be optimistic. But also, it's okay to be perplexed sometimes. And when people ask me about what's happening at Asbury, I'm kind of perplexed because I hear different things, right? And then it makes me question, well, if I'm not there, do I even really know what's going on? And what I'll say is this. When things like this happen, our response should be amazement and perplexion, I think, when we don't have all the information. But that ought to lead us to pray. We ought to be praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We ought to be exciting or excited about the fact that God can do this, and maybe he is doing this at Asbury. I can tell you this much. There are some things going on there that have disturbed me, right? There are some, some false teachers that have shown up and have pretended to be prophets about this thing as if they had the inside scoop again on when the Holy Spirit's coming and all this other stuff. That's extremely troubling because let me tell you something. We should gauge revivals by two things. Number one, the content of the revival. I have preached this before. Y'all listen to me. God will never condone what his word forbids. I must say that again. God never condones what his word forbids. And if in this revival, some of the things are going on that I've heard have been going on, then I know that's not from God. I know some false teachers have started showing up to this thing and pretending like they prophesied it. Now, that happens all the time. We're going to see from the book of Acts, soon enough, Simon the sorcerer is going to show up, and he's very much like the false teachers that show up at Asbury right now and try to, to, to claim credit for what they're seeing. All right? I'm not skeptical, but I am perplexed. But I'm still amazed at what the Lord can do. We ought to be praying for revival. So that's the first thing. God never condones what his word forbids. Keep that in mind when you think about Asbury and as you examine what's happening there. You can't call it a revival if they're doing things that the Lord forbids. All right? The Lord's not in that. He won't be in that. All right? That would be like David trying to renew Israel and not tearing down the high places. Right. Not not doing away with with idol worship and divination and all of these things. Just the two can't go together. But number two, you gauge a revival, not by what's happening in the moment, but by what is produced as a result. Take, for instance, the Great Awakenings in America. Right. 
what the result of those revivals were is not what took place in that moment, but what was birthed out of those revivals. Because a revival is just that. It is being revived. It is coming awake. It is being alive. And if something is a flash in the pan and then it ceases to exist, that's not a revival, y'all. That's coming down the aisle to just as I am and leaving just as you were before you got there. Revival has lasting results, and those lasting results should result in conversions. It should result in repentance, and that's a final thing. I'll throw in a third thing there. The basis of all biblical-type revivals, because we don't see revival anywhere in God's Word, but the basis of all revival is first repentance of sin. It's recognizing I've messed up. It's recognizing I need forgiveness. And then going to God in prayer, confessing, and then leaving change. And then that has a ripple effect. That, that's all that revival is. There's a reason why when Jesus was giving the Beatitudes, he, he talked first about blessed are those who are poor in spirit convicted over what they have done. Blessed are those who mourn, not mourn over the loss of loved ones, but those who mourn over their own sinfulness. Blessed are the meek, those who in light of their sinfulness are humbled by it. This is the path of Christianity. This is the stuff of revivals. And bringing the horse back around the barn to Acts chapter 2. Y'all, as we see these groups, those that are amazed, those that are perplexed, those that are scoffers, remember what the Lord can do. Remember who the Lord is, that he's in the business of changing the unchangeable, of redeeming that which seems unredeemable. The fact that I am in this room right now, God's faithfulness to this congregation for 281 years is evidence of God working in situations. You know, people talk about uh, old province. I mean, it was called a meeting house first because legally they couldn't even call it a church. And this is just one example of God's faithfulness. But I guarantee you, if you will look, if you will look, you will see God's blessings, his faithfulness, the way that he changes the unchangeable. And if you focus on that, you won't be one of the scoffers. And also, if you're focused on being available to the Holy Spirit, listening to the Spirit, definitely you will be amazed at what he can do. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this time. And we pray that you would cause these things to take root in our hearts. Um, Father, you have blessed us beyond measure in every way. And we are so grateful for your goodness, for your love, for your mercy. And we pray that we would reflect these things. And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be here Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in some way, shape, or form. It might be that we're not on Facebook at all. It might be that we have to stream to Sermon Audio. And if that's the case... Go to sermonaudio.com. If you come here and we're not here Sunday morning, go to sermonaudio.com and, and see if you can find us there. We'll be streaming. Uh, if, if Facebook doesn't work, we'll, we'll go that route. Now, also, I'm not going to be here Monday. 
And in fact, the Monday after that, in fact, Amanda and I are going on vacation. I just hinted at it earlier that we will be in Portugal, Lord willing. Um, we are going to be getting back late on the 13th. But now that I have to record devotionals a day in advance, the soonest you would see a devotional would be the 15th and it would only be two days. So I will be back on March the 20th, Lord willing, with a daily devotional. On Sunday the 5th, we will not be streaming the Sunday morning service. Hopefully, we will be on the 12th. Um, but nevertheless, I'm going to be gone for the next couple of weeks from devotionals. But I appreciate your faithfulness, your support, all of your encouragement. And Lord willing, we will see you again very soon. Until then, take care.